0: Welcome to The Female CEO Show. I'm your host, Courtney Quinn. I'm a corporate dropout turned serial entrepreneur with a passion for helping female business owners step into your power and reach your full potential in business and in life. I'm on a mission to empower more women to become their own boss while teaching them how to do it in a healthy, scalable way that supports your dream life so that you're running a business and not owning a business that runs you. Whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur or you're still toying with the idea of diving into your own business, you're in the right place if you're looking for tools to support you as you are navigating the world of entrepreneurship as a woman. Because I'm going to get real with you on how to do so. Let's dive in to today's episode. Hello, friends. Welcome to today's episode of the Female CEO Show podcast. Today, I am joined by Stephanie Mojica, and we are going to be talking about how you can write and self-publish your own books and how you might consider yourself to be a non-writer, but how you can still write your own book and put your work out into the world. This is something I am so excited to learn more about and talk about with Stephanie. So drawing on her 17-year tenure as an award-winning journalist with publications such as USA Today, The Philadelphia Inquirer, San Francisco Chronicle, and The Virginian Pilot, among many others. Stephanie's greatest passion is working with entrepreneurs, coaches, and licensed professionals, such as attorneys and psychologists, to craft their stories into books that draw clients to them. She has coached dozens of authors through the book writing process. Stephanie has written and published romance novels under several pseudonyms and ghostwritten several nonfiction books. In her own name, she has published how one writer shifted from settling for $12 an hour to prospering at over $90 an hour, and shorter books such as quick answers to frequently asked credit questions. Stephanie has received numerous awards for her writing, including honors from investigative reporters and editors, Virginia Press Association, and Kentucky Press Association. She is also a writer for entrepreneur.com. Known for her writing and editing skills, consulting, speaking, interviewing, and teaching abilities, and kind yet driven personality, Stephanie is passionate about helping people stand out in the crowd through written content that showcases their expertise. Stephanie, welcome to the Female CEO Show podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Courtney. It's an honor
0: to be here. I am so excited to dive into all of this with you. And if your bio does not speak for itself and all of the expertise you have to share with us in this area, I don't know what will. What a ride.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, so let's kind of dive into things. Tell us a little bit about your story, about your journey, and how you have ended up here working with entrepreneurs and coaches, helping them write their own stories and how that helps them generate clients.
1: Well, I've been writing since I guess I was about eight years old, and I always knew I wanted to be like a journalist and things of that nature. So I started getting paid to write in high school And in college, learned how to do – well, I was always good with spelling. I was a state spelling bee champion. But it's like I learned more about editing books when I was in college. One of my professors was on the Oprah Book Club. And another one was a a Wallace Stegner fellow from Stanford. So they both, you know, had me help them with some of their things. And so it's like when I was a journalist, I worked, you know, at newspapers. Uh, We really didn't get paid much money, like – you really, it, it, so, and it was okay to have like a side hustle. We didn't call it that then, but like a side hustle, as long as it wasn't for like a competing newspaper. So I started, you know, teaching, writing, editing books, writing for attorney websites because I wrote a lot about crime and law. And then just as things progressed over the years, you know, when I was teaching, people needed help writing books. And I've worked with a book coach to write my first book, which I think was about 2007. So, I just started doing that. I did group programs with other coaches. You know, I did what they call the mentorship program uh, in uh, Kentucky, where I used to live, where we basically mentored authors through writing their books. And then, when the pandemic hit, I was in Suriname, a very tiny country in South America, and I saw a lot of people were struggling to figure out what to do with all this time at home. So I had a business coach at the time, and she helped me figure out how to, you know, use my all my experiences with writing, editing, and coaching and teaching writers to come up with group and individual programs, you know, nine step processes, etc., to help people write and publish their books. So that's a short version of a long, long, long story.
0: <laughs> how cool! So let's dive right in. You know, if someone. Feels like they're not a writer, but maybe they do want to write a book. Like, tell us about how non writers can write their own books.
1: Yeah, actually, that's uh, funny because just this morning I was looking at an article I wrote about, you know, 10 ways that like non writers can write their books. Mm -hmm. And so I'll just give a few of them now. Uh, A lot of the clients I've worked with are dictating their books. Because they're Mm -hmm. better verbal storytellers, especially the speakers, coaches, and attorneys. So we have so much technology now. We have Otter.ai. We have other things where you can be, you know, use your videos or use your audios and have them transcribed into text. Now, you still need a good editor to help clean it up because AI is definitely not uh, perfect. You know, that's a huge debate. That's a whole nother show. But, you know... It's it gets people it gets their stories out of them So mm-hmm. that is an idea and it's not cheating. Some people think it's cheating. I don't think it is It's still your story your expertise and so you could dictate your book uh, another tip that I uh, Use myself, you know I am a writer and a lot of my clients use is putting that time on your calendar you know, put like a 25 minute block on your calendar because otherwise it's not going to get done and just write all you can in that 25 minutes. Some people can write a hundred words. Some people can write 500 words and you may vary from day to day, but putting that on your calendar as a non-negotiable appointment, I think it's important. A lot of the people I work with are stay at home moms or dads. Uh, so they have a lot of responsibilities on top of whatever they're doing for a business. Some people, it depends on the age of your children, as well as your situation with your partner. Some people have gotten up earlier in the morning before Mm -hmm. the children or the spouse are awake. Some people do it at night when, you know, the spouse is doing something else and the children are asleep. Some people, I had one lady whose book will be published soon. It's about ADHD. And she took her laptop with her and when her son was at soccer practice. She was typing in the car. And I've had another mom who did the same thing, except she was just talking into the phone, making voice notes while the children were at dance practice. So, you know, children, lack of time, lack of money, there's always a way to overcome it. I just think a lot of people don't know how to do it.
0: Wow. Yeah. No, that makes it so much more simple. Like you don't have to sit down with a Word document and just start typing away at your book. I love the idea of being able to speak it um, and to have it be dictated. But I feel like the common thread of so many of those examples that you just gave or the people that you're working with are making time for it because it's something that they're they're really passionate about and that they want to be able to to bring that into the world so they're going to do what it takes and make those sacrifices to make it happen i love that yeah and
1: i agree it's like and you know it's kind of a want to thing you know Mm. like a lot of people you know yes they want to write the book to like help their business but they also have a very personal message that they figure they have to get out of them most people that i'm working with are doing like self-help slash uh business book hybrids memoir slash business book hybrids and it works very well you know i had one client um he had overcome a drug addiction and was trying to like do more for recovery and you know getting speaking and things that nature another client her daughter tragically committed suicide after being sexually abused by her father and oh even though this client has a weight loss coaching business, the fact that she like put that out there made still made people interested in her business because people, mm-hmm. I talked about AI earlier. I'm not trying to trash it because there are things that are about there helpful, but people don't want to buy from robots. They want to buy from people. Absolutely.
0: Ooh, absolutely. I think that can be said for, all of the uses that ai has right now especially when it comes to social content when it comes to blog writing when it comes to book writing like it is an incredible tool and it can be but there isn't that emotion there isn't that human element in it that i feel like is absolutely necessary and i do truly hope that that's not something that we lose as ai becomes more popular and maybe people become a little bit more lazy or a little bit more reliant on it so right How, if someone, you know, someone who's listening to this and they're like, oh, like, I'd never really thought about writing a book before, or maybe I have, but I don't know. Who would you say is right for writing a book? Like, who should write a book?
1: Honestly, I think everybody has a book in them. That's a fact. It doesn't necessarily have to be about your business. I mean, I've worked with people who want to write a cookbook. Just because oh, wow. that's what they wanted to do. So there's people who have written poetry books or novels. So it doesn't have to be like a lot of my marketing is centered around the business books, but it doesn't <laughs> have to be a business book. Um, well, and that might not inspire you depending on who you are anyway. So I think the important step and this is the first step in my you know, process is to make that decision. Like, okay, <laughs> make that decision. Are you going to do this or aren't you going to do this? And you don't have to decide that you're going to do this today, you know? But it's, mm-hmm. I think it's important to like get the decision fatigue out of your head because, I mean, there's there was a woman who came to me maybe a year or two ago and I could tell that she would probably pull out her credit card and buy the program, but that she wasn't really dying to write the book. Her family was dying to have her write the book.
0: And Interesting.
1: that's not going to – I mean, it could get you through it, but it just—it's just a decision that you need to make for yourself. You know, mm-hmm. it's like—is this something you want to do? Make that decision, and make it for yourself. And there are people who have told me that they're not writing their book this time because they're concerned about how their children will react because some of it has to do with personal trauma, and mm-hmm. you know, things of that nature. So there are decisions that have to be made. And there are certain books I probably won't write until certain family members aren't here anymore because I don't want to like traumatize people, yeah. you know, for some of the more personal stuff I've been through. So it's just making that decision. And I find that once, you know, you write your first book, it's a lot easier to write the second, the third, etc. Mm. Yeah. So it's like making that decision, I think is really, really key.
0: Absolutely. So how do we decide what? To write, You know, how would how do you pull that story out of the clients that you work with?
1: That's a great question. So I have a lot of worksheets and things I've created. We also just have a conversation. But I find a lot of people who come to me have too many ideas. And that's wow. something we have to narrow down. Because Mm. if you're working on two, three, four projects at once, the chance of getting even one of them done is really slim. When it's something like this, I mean, when it's a work project, yes, you you have people who are going to expect it by a certain day. But when it's for you, I find it's very rare that people can work on multiple projects at once. So Mm -hmm. usually we narrow it down to one. And there are some exceptions, like if somebody's writing a poetry book Generally, they already have poems, so it's a matter of compiling them, but mm-hmm. I would not try to write two nonfiction books at the same time. Um, it, it would just be a logistical nightmare. Yeah. So just making that decision about which book to write. And some people, it's like they, they don't know what they want to write. They have an idea. So with them, we'll brainstorm deeper and maybe spend a couple of sessions, like literally like... Like you said earlier, I have a lot of interviewing experience. I've interviewed celebrities and regular people on the street. So it's like I can interview you, so to speak, to help you, Mm. you know, come up with that idea. I love
0: that. I love how you're able to just kind of find that and pull that out of people. But that makes so much sense about so often people come to you with so many ideas and it's less about finding the like coming up with the idea and more about like really narrowing it down and getting really clear on what that one idea is going to be so exactly what in your opinion makes a good book
1: that's a great question and so I think what makes a good book is it needs to educate people you know, it doesn't have to be a bunch of statistics or things like that. It could just be like somebody's lived life experience. Like, you know, the gentleman I mentioned earlier who had overcome a drug addiction. You mm-hmm. know, I've never dealt with drug addiction, but like, deal, you know, working with his book, you know, we've worked closely for a couple of years, you know, with the editing. I mean, he hired me for everything, the coaching, the editing, the marketing, et cetera. So we've worked together, you know, in person. This was before. You know, zoom was so popular for a couple of years. So it's, you know, it's something that's compelling, either something that's going to change people's lives, like directly, like this is how you write a book, etc. or, you know, th- this trauma that somebody's experienced will at least educate them and, you know, give people more empathy. So I think there needs to be an educational value. Um, Entertainment, and I, I think it's also important, and that feels kind of weird to say when we're talking about traumas, but I mean, at least it needs to be interesting. Um, yeah. One of the clients that I'm working with right now, uh, we definitely want to put more dialogue in her book, and that's like the conversations you see in a book, because mm-hmm. if you're just telling people what happened, like so-and-so told me that I was a bad person, it just doesn't read. The way that the actual conversation does. Yeah. So I think that's important. Obviously, if you're writing a more business oriented book, that's not quite as important, but I would still, we call it in journalism, show, don't tell. I would still show as much of the real life conversations as you can, because mm-hmm. again, people are attracted to, interested in other people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you kind of mentioned that, like being able to tell the, the conversations that were happening. So someone who's listening to this and they're like, okay, yeah, maybe I do want to write a book, but kind of later on, maybe it's not right now. Is there any type of prep that we should be doing? Like, should we be keeping notes? What should we be doing ahead of time to maybe help make things easier during the writing process when we decide we're ready to do that in the future?
1: That's a great question. So uh, depending on what you know, tech tools you use, I'll just be general, but you can adapt them. You know, maybe a Google Doc, um, be, uh, like your ideas. You know, some people like I use Notion. Uh, a lot of people don't use Notion. But, you know, just whatever, you know, note-taking app mm-hmm. or, you know, software program you use, just, you know, make some notes. Or if you're a more of a voice note person, Create, you know, a folder on your computer or your Google Drive uh, of those voice notes. Um, So that would definitely be a great thing to do. If somebody has existing content, and again, it could be audio or video content, perhaps make a spreadsheet of, like, you know, links to your content. That's something I'm working on Mm -hmm. now. You know, links to your content, the title of it. That way you can, you know if you want to upload it to like otter.ai or another site and get transcribed and turn into a blog or part of your book. So
0: just things like that, I think can be helpful. Absolutely. That was that was great advice. So you mentioned with one of your clients that you were working with, you worked with him for years, you know, going through the process of coaching, of writing, of editing, of marketing. What does what does this process look like walk us through it for someone who's interested in writing a book you know what is it to expect what are the steps and how long should we anticipate the process being
1: okay well I've actually streamlined it so and he like was writing a very thick memoir so it Mm -hmm. took a lot longer than it would have uh for a shorter book or a more business-oriented book Um, so I don't want people to be daunted by that But, you know, generally when I work with people, it's a three to six month process uh, to write the book. And that's going to depend on your schedule, you Mm -hmm. know, your time frame. So we've got down to three to six months. There are some people, especially they're doing novels or longer memoirs where it can take up to 12. But I would say Mm -hmm. three to six months is the average. So, you know, you obviously want to be writing the book. Then you need to get it edited. That's the service I provide. Or if somebody wants other eyes on it, I have referrals. That can generally take, you know, anywhere from two to six weeks, depending on how long your book is and that editor's (laughs) availability. Uh, You would need to get a cover design because 99% of people I work with self-publish. So Mm -hmm. get a cover design. That usually takes the main designer I use about two to four weeks you know, okay. uh, because you want to get the cover design and the book needs to be formatted. Most mm-hmm. people use Amazon. They do the mm-hmm. digital and the print version. So th- you have to have two different files formatted because okay. otherwise they can't print the book or it won't show up on your Kindle reader. So you have wow. to have the book written, edited, formatted, cover design. And then this is where a lot of people kind of start falling short planning and executing the launch because mm. you can't just drop the book on Amazon and think incredible things are going to happen. That's just not how it works. So depending on you know your schedule, your experience, etc., that could include you know a bunch of social media posts, podcast interviews. I've, I've helped some people get newspaper and TV interviews, So really it's something you want to plan out while you're writing a book, while I work with people, whether it's one-on-one or in the group although the group uh, is not open at the moment. I'll probably open it again later this year. You know, you're talking about your book while you're writing it on your social media. That serves two purposes. One, it keeps you accountable. And two, it starts building up demand for that book. So, you know, it could be, depending on what kind of launch you want to do, it could be a three to six month process.
0: I love that. That makes it seem so much less daunting to really think that you could write a book yes. in as quick as three months. Uh, and I love what you said about, you know, really talking about the fact that you're writing a book while you're writing it, kind of teasing it, getting people excited. So do you recommend people like Are they kind of just talking about it in general or just like sharing about it or the process or are they like sharing excerpts from the book? What have you seen that works well?
1: Most people don't share excerpts from the book just because it could like mess with like when you're trying to like publish on Amazon, they might think it's previously printed content. So you have to be careful with that. Yeah, Like once you release it, you could like, you know, publish an excerpt, but I would be really careful beforehand, but you know, your mileage may vary with Amazon. I would just rather be safe than sorry. So a lot of people are like sharing like a tip related to what they're writing about or sharing about the process. I also forgot to mention that some people get the book cover made early. So it becomes more real to them. Because they, uh, some people have printed up the book cover and have like looked at it when they are feeling like, you know, because the more invested you are financially and otherwise in the process, the more likely it is that you're going to see it through.
0: Yeah, I love that. That would be so motivating to like, as you're writing your book to have like the book cover right there in front of you, kind of motivating you and reminding you why you're doing it on the days when you're having writer's block or something. Exactly, exactly. Do you have any tips for people who are experiencing writer's block or they're just having a creativity block and they can't seem to break through it?
1: Yes. So that's a a common problem for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say start some kind of morning or depending on your schedule, evening practice where you're Hmm. just writing whatever. Julia Cameron, uh, who does the Artist's way and many other famous books recommends morning pages. So it's Mm -hmm. three pages. You know, or more you write out longhand, although some people type it. And so I would just say start writing about anything. I mean, occasionally it happens to me. Uh, you could write something like, I don't know what to write about. And then maybe you'll start writing.
0: But I yeah. would just say
1: still sit down at that computer or however you're doing it. Or, you know, with pen and a notebook and just write something even if it's not related to your ultimate goal. Because it's yeah. a muscle, it's it's a habit that has to be built.
0: I love that. I read the Artist's Way quite a few years ago, and it's not a consistent practice of mine. Morning pages, but a lot of times when I feel like I have so many thoughts spiraling in my head, or I am kind of having that creativity block, I will do morning pages. And just like you said, a lot of times it'll start off and be like. I don't know what to say. Like, I don't know what to write. There's nothing going on in my head. And then you just like that stream of conscious just comes out. And by the time you're done with those three pages, you feel so much better, so much lighter. And there, then you like look, you can look back at it and be like, Oh wow. There's like actually a whole lot going on in my head right now. Like, even though I don't think there is. What a great tip. I love that. So You mentioned a lot of, I think it's like 99% of the authors that you work with self-publish. Tell us a little bit about what exactly self-publishing is. So
1: self-publishing is basically like, you know, you, you, you know, nowadays you can use platforms, so you don't have to actually pay to print the books yourself. So it's like a big, 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 you know advantage and you have more control over the content of your book because I've had people come to me like really unhappy because they signed with a literary agent and a book publisher and the book didn't look anything like what they wrote the problem wow. is is when you sign these deals you're signing away your rights I've had people who like the publisher put the book out of print because the book wasn't selling anymore but the person couldn't get the rights back so they could republish it without oh. an attorney. So it's this and book publishers, there's like a myth out there that you're going to get a huge marketing campaign and they're going to do it all for you. Nowadays, I mean, I was looking because I'm working on a travel book and, you know, I feel like that might be a better uh, option for a publisher, you know, than the self publish. And a lot of them want, you have like 10,000 followers on Instagram or you know, $15,000 on TikTok. So it's like they're still expecting wow. you to do a lot of the marketing.
0: So mm.
1: um, you also, when you self-publish, especially on Amazon, you get, I think it's 70% of the royalties that's the profits from the book after the cost of printing. So, oh, wow. you know, you make a lot more per book. You can order mm. author copies. I've had clients who have ordered a lot of author copies for the cost of print a book, which is usually eight worth for $1, $3. They've ordered wow. a lot of author copies and they've sold it at like in-person events. Um, oh, cool. And, uh, so there's, you just have a lot more options. In mm-hmm. my opinion, where you self publish, but again, you're going to have to do your marketing. And that's where a lot of people feel like the publisher is going to like save them. And unless you're, it's ironic, but unless you're already famous, they're not
0: going to put a lot of their marketing resources into you. Mm, That is such a great myth that you just busted. But how incredible that self-publishing is a thing now and, you know, kind of what Amazon has created. I feel like that has broken down so many barriers to entry that we can have so many more incredible books and so many more people sharing their stories as authors,
1: Right. I think it's especially important for women, you know, to be sharing their stories because this has been, you know, usually back in the day, you know, women were writing poetry and romance novels. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed them both, but I just think it's, you know, a good time for women, especially uh, to be getting their stories out there.
0: Ooh, absolutely. So important to make these stories heard. So, you're, you're talking about the marketing. And I know one of the you know things that you help a lot of your clients with is they write books, and then it helps them generate clients, it helps them generate viable leads. Tell us a little bit about that and how that works. Because that's not really something I would have thought if I write a book, it's going to help me get clients walk us through that.
1: So it's, it's actually, it's, it's very subtle, but intentional process. It's like mentioning throughout your book, you know, things you've done to help your clients putting, you know, Mm -hmm. at the end of your book, like a way for people to get in touch with you. That's not just sending them to your website, but like sending them to like maybe a free offer, for example, like if you're, let's just say you're a weight loss coach, you know, maybe you have a free report that talks about weight loss and then that gets them onto your email list and then they can communicate with you more. So just things like that. And that's just something you can't really do when you go with a traditional publisher, because again, the, the, their purpose is entirely different. So you definitely don't want to be salesy, sleazy, et cetera, throughout the book, but you can suddenly mention the things that you've done to help people, especially if you're writing directly about your business.
0: Oh, interesting. What a great tip. I love that. And just kind of like the subtlety of it, of talking about your, you know, your client results, your client experiences. And then it kind of puts that, puts that bug in people's ear, like, oh, like they, you know, they work with people, they might be able to help me. How awesome. Wow. This has been such a fun conversation. And so enlightening. like, I, I really did not know. Um, so much of all of this, but I am, I'm a huge reader myself, but never really would have ever thought that it was possible for me to write a book of my own. So how cool. And I love that you are making that even more of a reality for people and helping them through that, you know, bringing the story out of them, helping them write it, helping it, you know, be self-published and all of that.
1: How cool. Well, thank you. Yeah, this has been a great conversation and just one more point I forgot to add just a moment ago. Yeah. When you have a book written, people are a lot more interested in interviewing you for newspapers, T V, podcasts, etc. So that's like another way to bring business to you because if you're not visible, then it's hard to get business. So I've had people, you know, get like eight thousand dollar deals from a podcast interview they did because of the book. So the
0: the opportunities really are endless. It just makes you like that much more credible in people's eyes because you have a book because you're an author. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh. Yes. I think it does. It also shows, and believe me, I'm not knocking anybody who made a career change during the pandemic, but a lot of coaches, for example, came out during the pandemic and some of them are great and some of them not so great. And when you Mm. write a book about your expertise, it's a lot harder to fake your way through writing a book than like a TikTok video. So it really is, it's a credibility factor. It shows that you know what you're doing.
0: Wow, what a great point. You're so right, especially about the coaching industry that there are just people out there who, you know, they aren't really experts. They're kind of just like faking their way through it. But you're so right. Those are not the people who are going to even want to take the time and energy to create a book and put that out into the world, much less actually have maybe that much expertise to share to kind of write a full book. (laughs) How, How large or small should a book be? Do you think like, do you have a typical kind of like page range that you typically work with, with your clients in? So I tell people
1: that it's like a myth that you have to have like a 200, 300, 400, 500 page book, especially nowadays, people just don't have the attention spans they used to have. I recommend a hundred plus pages. So that would be 20,000 to 30,000 words. So it's still, you know, a printable book because you Mm -hmm. don't want to print a pamphlet, but you know, it's still printable, especially if you pick one of the smaller cover sizes. So twenty thousand to thirty thousand words, I think, is good. I've worked with people who've done fifteen thousand word books. I've worked with people who've done two hundred and seventy thousand word books because they were writing like an epic novel. But I would say, where from twenty thousand to thirty thousand would be a good minimum. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe like a mid range is about fifty thousand.
0: Wow. Okay. You just you keep making this seem even more and more attainable. So Uh, it really is. Yeah. How crazy. So when it comes to like structuring, formatting your book, do you have any rules or guidelines that you follow when it comes to that to kind of make sure that the story flows or that your expertise really is able to shine through, through the words?
1: So yeah, that's a great question. So it, again, it's good to depend on what kind of book it is. If okay. it's like a memoir, it's going to be like entirely different from if somebody's writing a self-help book and it could be entirely mm-hmm. different from a business book. So, okay. and then some people do hybrids. I think it's just like important to like, you know, make sure that you're sharing, you know, your expertise, at least some of your personality Otherwise, it's just like a dry academic book and don't get me wrong. I mean, there's a place for those and I've edited plenty, but you know, it's just nowadays people are getting pickier about what they're reading, especially with like things like Kindle Unlimited where you can try a book and then if you don't like it, put it back. It's really important to get your reader's attention as
0: quickly as possible and then keep it throughout. Mm, such a good point. Absolutely. Some of my favorite books have had just like, jaw dropping first pages. Like the yes. first page is so good. And I'm like, I'm in it for the long haul. Like we're going. And then yeah, the other books that maybe do start off a little bit slower, or a bit of a slow burn, like those might end up in my like, did not finish pile.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, I have a large not finish pile. So, you know, it's just. A- I just think, you know, and again, like I said, I have worksheets and stuff to like come up with like outlines and, you know, chapter sketches and things of that nature. But, you know, genres aren't as strict as they used to be. Like I said, a lot of people are doing hybrid. So Mm -hmm. I think it's just really important to have like, you know, consistent, you know, message and personality and just try to put yourself in your reader's shoes as much as possible.
0: Wow. So much great advice. This is so cool. I hope that someone who is listening is inspired to write a book after listening to this because I feel like I am. Now I just need to figure out what the book is going to be about. But it seems like you've just made it seem so much more attainable for it to actually be a reality for that to actually happen and how, you know, simple self-publishing and like work like publishing and printing your books through Amazon. Like how cool and that it doesn't have to be something crazy and thick, that if you're just putting your expertise out there, how cool. Right. Wow. Exactly.
1: Yeah, it's been an honor to be here with you.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. So, Thank a couple you. questions for you sure. as we kind of round out the show that I ask all of the guests who join us on the Female CEO Show. The first is, how do you balance it all? What has finding this balance looked like for you in you know, running a successful business, having a successful career, being able to support others on their journey, and keeping your head on straight and making sure that you're still living and enjoying your life?
1: That's a great question. So I think a lot of female CEOs I've encountered, I mean, it's also applies to non-binary and males as well, but I think females and non-binary are especially after this is they try to do everything themselves. And any millionaire I've ever heard of did not try to do everything themselves. So I would definitely say it's important for me as well as my clients and people I've worked with to not be afraid to get support. Uh, I think hiring a coach is important. I have one myself right now who helps me with my business and mindset. Um, You know, when I put on an event like I put on a summit a couple of years ago and I will probably be doing it again this year, you know, hiring a team. You know assistants designers even though i'm a professional writer sometimes once in a while i'll hire somebody to write my own copy because they can see things that i can't Mm. So it's just getting that help and support Um, I don't do grocery shopping. I have the food delivered Because you know the groceries delivered because that's not a good use of my time obviously different people are gonna have different you know situations so I think like getting that help, whether it's with, you know, maybe somebody will occasionally babysit for your children or your pets or, you know, getting help with groceries or getting help with a coach or an assistant, I think is important stuff.
0: Ooh, what a great tidbit. I love that. So true. And there's no shame in getting help. I love how you said like no millionaire is doing everything on their own. That is such great advice. Um, Kind of tailing off of that, something I heard about once about like, you know, the, these really wealthy people who they always have drivers, you know, you always see them like being driven around. It's not because they are like oh, I'm better than you and I need a driver. It's like, because it would be a waste of their time to spend that time behind the wheel when they could be in the backseat responding to emails or doing something productive with their time instead of just sitting there driving. And that always stuck with me. And I love how you kind of added on to that of just getting help in general, the getting groceries delivered. Like what a great little tip that will honestly save you like, one or two hours of your time of not having to go to the grocery store and do all that shopping and unloading. I love that. Okay. So what is kind of going off of that? Um, that was already a really great answer. What is one piece of advice that you have to give to female entrepreneurs? Maybe it's like a lesson, a hard lesson that you had to learn in your career. And you think by sharing it, it might help other female entrepreneurs kind of avoid making that same misstep.
1: It's similar. I would say don't be afraid to ask for help because Mm -hmm. I think, you know, and this applies to me and some people I've worked with in, you know, multiple capacities, whether receiving services or giving services, it's like people think asking for help is like a source of shame. And it really is not. It's like, I'm not a good cook. You know, there's things I can't do well. And there's things I don't enjoy doing. So it's like, uh, I don't enjoy grocery shopping. I don't particularly enjoy cooking. So mm-hmm. it's just, you know, and, and in the business, it's like there's some things that I don't know how to do, like some of the tech yeah. stuff. And I could probably learn it, but it's not really a good use of my time. So I would just go back to don't be afraid to ask for help. Oh,
0: absolutely. I love the way that you framed that, too, like the things that I am not good at and the things that I don't enjoy I don't need to be spending my time doing those and really spend that time in your zone of genius and doing the things that you are good at and that do light you up. Oh, wonderful. Stephanie, thank you so, so much for your time today and all of the incredible insight and information you shared with us. I feel like you have motivated so many of the women who are listening to start thinking about writing a book of their own, which is so incredibly exciting. So Please let everybody know where they can find you, how they can connect with you, how they can work with you, all of the things.
1: So, I have a website and I have a free ebook called Three Things You Must Know Before Writing Your Book. So, it's at gettheirattentionnow.com forward slash book. That's gettheirattentionnow.com forward slash book. I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook. Uh, I do still have accounts on Twitter and Instagram, but I'm never on either. So if it, you know, go through my website. You know, sign up for the book. I don't email people 50 times a day. Maybe two, three times a month. You know, there's also a button on my website where you can apply to have a you know conversation with me. And I'm also pretty active on Facebook and LinkedIn.
0: Wonderful. We will have all of that linked in the show notes for you. So you guys can connect with Stephanie easily. (laughs) Stephanie, thank you again so, so much for your time today. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Female CEO Show podcast. We will catch you on the next episode.